When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, July 18th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Hot, humid again today. Good chance of a thunderstorm. The high 86 tonight overnight. Night, stray shower possible, low 72. And then tomorrow, thunderstorms in the morning, sun and clouds in the afternoon, a little cooler, high 84. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 73 partly cloudy in Elmsford up in Westchester County, 72 partly cloudy down in Plainfield, New Jersey. And it is 74 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning was listening to Katz and Cosby yesterday. They were talking about this study involving peanut butter. Then I did my own little research on peanut butter because I eat the same thing every single day for lunch. And uh, this drives, for some reason, my wife crazy. I eat peanut butter and jelly and sliced banana. I have it Every single day, and I had it that way for going back a long ways already. And there was this study that came out uh, evaluating the relationship between peanuts and pancreatic cancer. There's a bunch of studies, but this is one of them. And they found that consuming a teaspoon or more of peanut butter daily was associated with a significantly, re- significantly reduced risk of pancreatic cancer in men. So I said, hey, all right, I think I'm doing okay because I have that more than a teaspoon Every single day. And then there's like five other studies that say the opposite. So you sort of don't, don't know what to end, uh, believe in the end. But I bet there are a lot of you that kind of do the same thing. I went, I went on this phase where I had an avocado every day. I think I did this, I, no exaggeration, for lunch every day, five years. I would just open up the avocado at work and just scoop it out with a little salt and a little lemon. And that was lunch. And uh, now it's this peanut butter and jelly kick that I can't get off of. And I hadn't had peanut butter since I was a kid. But this is what it is. I, I don't enjoy either. I mean, I like a good avocado. I like a good peanut butter sandwich. But I eat both of them while I'm working. And so that's why it's like just have the same thing every day because I'm not enjoying it. I'm just eating it because I'm hungry and I'm doing something else at the same time. So I try to explain that to my wife, who thinks I'm out of my mind. She says, don't you get sick of it? I'm like, I'm not even tasting it because I'm involved with something else, another activity. This is just to quiet my stomach so I can continue on my day. But I like this study. I'm going to go with this one out of the Netherlands, this cohort study that says uh, peanut butter every day uh, reduces the risk of pancreatic cancer in men. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The alleged Gilgo Beach killer had a lot of guns in his house. The city has a new police commissioner. His job will not be easy. We hear from some New York firefighters battling that huge forest fire in Quebec. 
The MTA set to take a vote on subway, train, and bus fare hikes. And robbers in New Jersey walk off with lots of people's junk from one of those storage facilities. All right, let's get into it at 5.04. We'll start with the story that people can't stop talking about out on Long Island, the Gilgo Beach murders and the suspect Rex Heuerman. Uh, we're now finding out more details each day. A little more comes out. The latest is that he had over 200 guns in his Massapequa Park home, more than double the number of which he had permits for. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison uh, talking about this yesterday in court on Friday. They revealed that there was these permits that he had 90 permits for 92 of those firearms. But I guess when they went in to search their home, there was a lot more. They expanded their search yesterday for more physical evidence that could tie your men uh, to those three women, he's charged with killing what maybe with the others who have been found uh, in Gilgo Beach. Uh, so sources yesterday also told us they were looking for victim trophies inside his home and inside a storage facility in Amityville, such as earrings or locks of hair. I mean, this is really sick stuff. Uh, they were inside the 59-year-old architect's home yesterday going in and out, in and out. Here's the Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison, who yesterday was talking about part of the story I had not been heard about, but I was curious about. You know, he was married and he has two daughters. And I wanted to know, what do they think about all this? Did Were they clued in? Did they have any idea? Well, here's the Suffolk County Police Commissioner on this yesterday. Some of the searches that we saw that he was doing uh, is alarming. It's very, very concerning. And uh, once again, as I, I have to make sure that everybody understands that it's a very good thing that we got this animal off the streets. Yeah, so, okay, so he's going to talk about more about the uh, wife and the daughter in a minute. They're yesterday talking about why they went in and they saw when they did last uh, Friday to arrest him outside his office. Uh, investigators honing in after a big break in the case came from revisiting an old clue. Ewerman tied to the murders in part through DNA, as you probably know already, uh, from that discarded pizza crust. I guess he didn't like it or maybe it was just bad pizza. His act Activity on a series of burner phones used to arrange the meetings with uh, the women he allegedly murdered. We hope to find anything and uh, everything. That euphoria really never comes because there's always the next thing to do. There's always the next victim. So while we feel good about it and we're happy for the victims' families, we realize that our, our work has only just begun. Yeah, so the married father of two behind bars charged with first-degree murder in the deaths of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, Amber Costello, also considered a prime suspect in the death of another woman, Maureen Brainerd Barnes. The victims in the case, 11 sets of remains were discovered, were mostly young women who were sex workers. Authorities have said more than one person may have been responsible for the murders, but they will try to connect Ewerman to more of these. So here, this is where Rodney Harrison, Suffolk County uh, Police Commissioner, talking about the moment they told Rex Ewerman's kids and wives about what uh, kids and wife about what he had been accused of and what their reaction to that was. When we initially uh, informed them about uh, their their husband, their father, uh, they were they were shocked. Um, they were disgusted. Uh, they were embarrassed. Uh, so if you ask me, I, I 
don't believe that they knew about this double life that Mr. Harriman was was, was living. Yeah, so we've been told that uh, these murders might have been carried out while the wife and daughters were on vacation. They've gone radio silent. I don't imagine we'll hear from them anytime soon. All right, 509, let's go down to D.C. where uh, there's a lot going on. Let's start with the two IRS whistleblowers who claim the Justice Department interfered with a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden. They are set to testify at a House hearing tomorrow. House Republicans set the Wednesday hearing after one of the whistleblowers, IRS Supervisory Agent Gary Shapley, went public with the allegations. The lead U.S. attorney in the Hunter Biden case and Attorney General Merrick Garland have denied the allegations. Last month, the president's son reached a deal to plead guilty in the tax and gun case and agreed to accept about two years probation and enter a diversion program. I'm Lisa Taylor. Yeah, lots of people anxiously awaiting those hearings tomorrow. The next battle over abortion involves prescription medication that's long been used to end a pregnancy. Republicans want to ban mifeprestone, triggering outrage from Democrats who feel the GOP is trying to further oppress women. It is a super minority faction of people that are controlling and making decisions for the masses. That's Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett, who's from Texas, hosting a roundtable in D.C. that's bringing together abortion advocates and experts. Instead, we have a lot of posturing and we have a lot of ignorance. And the majority of the ignorance is willful. On the other side, though, lawsuits involving the abortion pill are working their way through the legal system, but it's poised to be one of the top issues on the campaign trail as we inch closer to next year's White House race. This is a fight that we have to continually engage in, continually educate about, and continually say we are going to get more and more people on our side. Abortion rights, the big issue when you talk about the military as well. The Biden administration defending the Pentagon's policy to reimburse travel expenses for service members who travel out of state for abortions. This would, of course, be for military members who want an abortion but are in a state where you're not allowed to get one. That is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. And it matters because it says we're invested in you because you are being willing to invest in us. National Security Spokesman John Kirby says the policy critical as one in five members of the military are women. He says it's the right thing to do for Americans who voluntarily decide to serve. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville has held up military promotions in protest of that policy. Female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. The White House says Tommy Tuberville is getting in the way of uh, impacting military readiness by holding up some of these decisions in Washington in his protest over the fact or over the right for military members to go from one state or another to get an abortion. 512, this is the time and maybe the first time in 60 years that members of the Actors Union and the Writers Guild of America on strike at the same time. Dominic Patton He's senior editor at Deadline Hollywood. Uh, talks about what this means. The industry is evolving at a rapid pace. And the studios, to hold on to their power, to hold on to their market share, they're determined to not let every contract cycle turn into a strike. So union members of SAG-AFTRA, they walked off the job 
Thursday at midnight, while the Writers Guild of America, their strike has been going on for a couple months now, both unions striking against the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents network studios, uh, streaming services. Showbiz observers fear the labor stalemate could last several months as the unions and uh, the Hollywood studios remain divided on a bunch of key issues, including calls for revised residual formulas for streaming content and protections against the use of AI, artificial intelligence, and film and TV production. 513, are you one of these people, and I've met some of these over the last couple weeks, who have made a plan to go overseas for summer vacation or maybe in the fall, and then you pull out your passport to check whether it's up to date because lots of people didn't travel during the pandemic, and you realize it's about to expire. And if your passport is about to expire or six months or less, you can't travel on it. You need a new one. So there's this huge backlog and delay for passports causing panic among people who've already bought their tickets for overseas trips this summer next month congressman henry cuellar he's from texas part of the problem he says is the state department workers were shuffled around during covid when nobody was flying and they haven't really fixed things since then state department employees need to get back to work and they're still teleworking and they need to be at the office texas democrat says the state department also needs more funding but he admits that's difficult and he blames republicans for slashing funding to federal agencies americans didn't do anything for a couple years so they did not renew their passports at that time so all of a sudden there's a rush yeah and uh now you're being told normally it's four six weeks but now people are being told months months until you get your passport uh and so for a lot of people it's reshuffling their vacation canceling their trips Some of those folks uh, instead of teleworking uh need to be back and work on that yes yeah, so uh he says if people were in the office and not told that they could work remotely maybe all of this would get done quicker but either way it's a mess for people who made overseas trips lots of people having to postpone them cancel them because they won't get a passport in time all right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Good morning, Noam Layden. Uh, another day, another walk-off loss for the Yankees, this time falling 4-3 to three to the Angels in the first of three in Anaheim. The Yanks were up 3-1 late in this one until Shohei Otani stepped up to the plate in the seventh to tie the score with his league-leading 35th home run of the year. The Angels would take that momentum into extras, where Michael Stefanik would play the hero with his game-winning single in the 10th. New York, now 50-45 and 45 overall, have dropped 7-9 of nine and are 15-20 and 20 since Aaron Judge got hurt on June 3rd. They are in sole possession of last place in the AL East this late in a season for the first time since 1990. So, things not going so hot. I'll try against, uh, they'll try again, I should say, against the Angels in game two of, uh, three, set for tonight at 9.38 p.m. again, with Domingo Herman getting the ball against LA's Patrick Sandoval. As for the Mets, they took a day off yesterday, but are back at it tonight at home in the opener of a three-game series against the Chicago White Sox. First pitch for tonight is 10, uh, 7.10 p.m. with Carlos Carrasco scheduled to start against Chicago's Lucas Giolito. And finally, yesterday's deadline for franchised players to agree to a long-term contract in the, in, in the NFL. Came and went without a deal for Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Without a deal done, Barkley will have to play the 2023 season on his franchise tender worth just over $10 million or hold out on the Giants and refuse to play. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Barkley is not expected to report to training camp, which starts a week from today. But because he is unsigned, cannot be fined for failing to show. He'll only start to lose money if he misses any regular season games 
and forfeits those game checks. The player to most recently sit out an entire season was running back Le'Veon Bell in 2018, and we saw how that worked out for him. No. Here was sports on 77. How did that work out for him? Not well. Oh. His uh, career ultimately, ultimately crumbled and uh, faded away, and he basically fell off the face of the earth. Oh, so, there so you go. It really didn't work out well. It really did yeah. not work out well for him. No, no. So... There's your sports, and uh, hopefully Saquon comes to a census. WABC News Time 519. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer pushing a bill declaring fentanyl trafficking a national emergency. New York's senior senator says every five minutes, someone here in the U.S. is dying of a fentanyl overdose. We know where this starts and predominantly comes from, and that is China, and the Chinese government does nothing about it. Schumer says the bill would allow the president to impose sanctions on nations that turn a blind eye to labs in their country that produce it and drug cartels that smuggle it here into the U.S. He says Chinese labs... Uh, the world's largest producers of fentanyl, but the DEA says most of what's traffic over the U.S. border comes from Mexico. Schumer's fentanyl trafficking bill does have bipartisan support. The White House condemning Russia's decision to pull out of a grain deal with Ukraine. These shipments have helped drive down and stabilize global prices. And every shipment under the initiative has contributed to reducing hardship in the world's poorest countries. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there called the move dangerous, arguing it'll exacerbate food scarcity and harm millions of vulnerable people around the world. Which will exacerbate food scarcity and harm millions of vulnerable people around the world. I think I just said that. The black Black Sea Grain Initiative allows Ukrainian agricultural products to pass through the Black Sea without Russian interference. Ukraine supplies 10% of the world's wheat market. That's even amid this war, which it seems like how they're doing that, fighting a war and still supplying the world's market. 521, Secretary of State Antony Blinken urging the Senate to confirm more than 60 State Department nominees who've been blocked by, he says, a handful of Republicans. These delays are undermining our national security, and they're weakening our ability to deliver for the American people. Blinken telling reporters yesterday that he has serious concerns about the delays. He says nominees are being blocked for leverage on unrelated issues. The State Department has more than 60 nominees with the Senate. 38 have completed all the other steps and are on the Senate floor. 35 are career foreign service officers. But Kentucky Senator Rand Paul... He's placed a hold on nominees from clearing Senate confirmation as he demands the State Department release additional information on the origins of COVID and related government-funded research. And he says he's not going to back down. For reasons that have nothing to do with the nominee's qualifications or abilities, they are being forced to proceed through individual floor votes. Yeah, so right now, a stalemate there. 522, the Fed eyeing another interest rate come September. A July rate hike has been taken for granted for some time, but the Fed's decision for a September raise isn't yet clear. The committee will have a chance to analyze new inflation data before a September decision is made. Raising interest rates is thought to be the best way to combat inflation, but it also makes it more expensive to finance a house or car. I'm Lisa Taylor. 522, let's head out to the campaign trail. Federal disclosures this week uh, gave us a first glimpse of the money race between the 2024 presidential candidates. President Biden wins the money-raising race with $72 million brought in since throwing his hat into the race back in April. Biden brought in more than a million dollars per day on average, a pace exceeding even that of former President Barack Obama. Former President Donald Trump's campaign said he raked in more than $35 million in second quarter donations as his army of small-dollar donors 
donors rallied to his side even as his legal woes mounted. Ron DeSantis raised more than $20 million during the second quarter, putting him in second place in the GOP money race. He remains a distant second to Trump in the polls, though, with only about 20% support on average. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running as a Democrat and raised nearly $6.4 million. Among his donors are Airbnb co-founder and hedge fund billionaire Bill Ackman. Aaron- 523, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says he'll always stand with the state of Israel. You only care about applying disfavored treatment to the state of Israel? That is anti-Semitism, and that is wrong. The governor was speaking at the Christians United for Israel Summit. That was in Arlington, Virginia, yesterday, blasting the Biden administration's relationship with Israel. The 2024 presidential hopeful called President Biden's treatment of Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu is disgraceful, noting that Biden has yet to invite him to the White House since he took power in Israel last year. The United States and the state of Israel have a unique bond, and I will always stand with the state of Israel. The way they treat a strong ally like Prime Minister Netanyahu has been disgraceful. What they're trying to do to shoehorn Israel into bad policies has been disgraceful. And then over at the White House, though, whether he was spurred on by DeSantis or this was a decision already made, President Biden is inviting Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to meet in the U.S. for the first time uh, since he returned to power last year. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said the two leaders spoke over the phone Monday and Biden extended the invitation. Kirby said the two will probably meet sometime before the end of the year. Relations between the Biden administration and Netanyahu's government have been strained, particularly over the Israeli government's judicial overhaul plan. The call between the leaders occurred a day before Israeli President Isaac Herzog will meet with Biden at the White House. I'm Mark Mayfield. 525, heat is still the big story across most of the country. In Florida, there has been fish die-off, algae blooms because the water is so warm. Uh, The mayor of uh, one small town uh, in lower uh, southern Florida uh, saying that they prepare for heat like this, but haven't seen heat like this in a long time. We had with local chief heat officer a heat season cooling centers that have been activated in these extremely hot days. Yeah, so heat indexes uh, were about 108 degrees in Miami yesterday. I mean, it does get hot there, but not usually that hot. Staying out of the sun, wearing loose, lightweight, long sleeve clothing, repellent, uh, definitely keeping the sun off your skin wherever possible. Yeah, uh, most people just staying indoors. Extreme heats continues to bake the U.S. uh, southwest where they've broken records day after day. Uh, We're from Vegas, so we're not typically... We're typically prone to this, but today is like out of control. Yeah, forecasters Phoenix uh, say uh, there was one day over the weekend. It was 118 degrees. That's crazy. In California, Death Valley, I mean, it's always hot there, but it topped over 120 degrees. It's killing us. It really is. It's kind of hard to enjoy the beach when uh, you can't really be out in the sun for too long. It's hot. I mean, it's miserable. Yeah, people just sort of, uh, you know, keeping indoors, have air conditioning nearby. Getting overheated like that, you start to get tired, irritable, angry. You're not thinking clearly. Yeah, uh, and it, of course, it hurts tourism as well. 526, the Reverend Jesse Jackson being honored for his legacy as civil rights leader. He announced that he's actually stepping down as the president of Rainbow Push. Vice President Kamala Harris delivered a tribute during yesterday's Push convention in Chicago. Someone who deeply believes in the promise 
of our country. A fighter for freedom and human rights for all people. The 81-year-old civil rights leader talked about his future. I want to teach in the university, teach young seminarians and preachers how to fight for social justice. Reverend Dr. Frederick Haynes III of Dallas will be Jackson's successor, effective immediately. I'm Perry Williams. 527, traffic, transit on the 7s. He's Perry Williams. (laughs) I think I'm going to try that uh, now. I'm Noam Layden. I'm Joe Nolan. Sounds like I'm doing the PA at the jet game. (laughs) Yeah, he does a little bit. Williams! They're going Uh, loco! (laughs) (laughs) A little traffic and transit. Here's Joe Nolan. (laughs) For the rake. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are just getting started on this early Tuesday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. The MTA meeting this week. They're going to decide how much it'll cost you for congestion pricing and whether the subway, bus, and train fares will go up. We'll get into that. We'll tell you how Jersey, fit, uh, Jersey City rather, is going to fight back against congestion pricing. Lots of people fighting back in Queens and Brooklyn about more migrants coming. Coming their way. And um, we're going to hear from some firefighters, New York firefighters, who've been up in Quebec and why it's so tough to put out that forest fire. That and more coming up. But first, this at 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 531. Good morning. It is Tuesday, July 18th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Hot, humid again today. Good chance we'll see a thunderstorm this afternoon. High 86. Tonight, overnight, stray shower possible, low 72. And then tomorrow, thunderstorms in the morning. Uh, cloudy, maybe more clouds than sun in the afternoon, high 84. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 73 partly cloudy in Elmsford up in Westchester County. 72 partly cloudy down in Plainfield, New Jersey. 74 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in the big city. New Yorkers sounding off on a number of issues during the MTA's joint committee hearings yesterday. They've been particularly loud when it comes to the issue of fare hikes and congestion pricing, two things that will be decided this week. It's a big week for the MTA. The agency proposing subway and bus fare hikes of 15 cents. That was back in May, which would bring the cost of a subway ride, a bus ride for that matter as well, to two bucks, 90 cents. Increases could be extended also to the LIRR, Metro North, uh, riders say, all right, we know you're probably going to do this anyway because these hearings are kind of bogus. You're going to raise these rates. But if you do, all we ask for is a little better service. Overcrowding on penbound trains, lack of, lack of time connections leading to delays, insufficient service between Queens, Queen stations and dreaded up and over at Jamaica. She might be the calmest person I've ever heard at one of those hearings. The MTA expected to hold a full board vote 
tomorrow. Will they decide whether or not to approve a fare increase? The last time the MTA increased the base fare, you have to go back to actually 2015 when it went from $2.50 to $2.75 a ride. And uh, as you might guess, at the same hearings, tough to find anybody, any driver that's looking forward to this congestion pricing plan, what looks like it's going to be implemented come next spring. Congestion pricing is inequitable and unsustainable, especially for commuters in the outer boroughs, the Queens, Bronx, Brooklyn, Staten Island. So tomorrow, the review board will determine how much people will pay for congestion pricing. Lots of numbers thrown around. One of them, 23 bucks to go below 60th Street in Manhattan, which, of course, to most people seems outrageous. Uh, they'll decide tomorrow, apparently, as well, who might get an exemption uh, from paying that $23 toll. So it'll be awfully interesting to watch what takes place, MTA, and these meetings that take place tomorrow. And um, Jersey City... They're not waiting for congestion pricing to begin. And I imagine other towns are going to join in on this as well as they try to figure out how to get people from uh, places like the Hudson Valley, from outer boroughs, from New Jersey into New York without paying that $23 fare. So Jersey City is a first thing they're going to do is they're reviving some of the ferry service that went away during covid and some of it is going to be financed by local officials. So it won't be as expensive as it once was to cross the Delaware from uh, Jersey City into New York. And I imagine people who may have normally driven in, that ferry ride's unbelievable. If you don't know, it's like a nine-minute ride from uh, from Jersey City to Manhattan. And then you're in Manhattan, which is pretty great. So uh, here's Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fulop, who, by the way, is running for governor. Increased quality of life opportunities, increased property value, uh, and uh, you know, most importantly, increasing mobility options. So, you know, we're really excited about this. It's been a long time to get this to a place that it works. And I think that, you know, it's going to be the test to eventually have more ferry options and uh opportunities for people to move via boats back and forth from New York. Yeah, part of the reason uh, they're not as popular, they're, they're popular, but not as popular as they could be is it's awfully expensive. But if it's subsidized, people will probably take it. Ferry, he's talking about a ferry service there that will now is now started up again in Port Liberté, which uh, was shut down during COVID. 536, let's go out to Queens and Brooklyn, where people say they're getting tired of seeing the influx of migrants uh, being put in their boroughs, uh, still hundreds of people coming every week from the U.S.-Mexico border bust up from Texas right here to what is a sanctuary city, New York City. And 53,000 migrants remain in the city's care this morning. And their efforts to find locations for them continue. So this week we heard aqueduct race truck uh, racetrack would be used now that apparently is off the table. Creedmoor Psychiatric Center was another place. But people... In Queens, they say, hey, Mayor Adams, I voted for you, but if you keep sending migrants our way to shelters and to places where they can't find jobs, uh, we won't vote for you again. I'm set about, Mr. Mayor, and I'm telling you, you're going to be a one-termer with making moves like this. Yeah, neighbors say they have concerns about having migrants in their neighborhood who have no jobs and no way to get around. The solution is the federal government must secure the border, okay? Otherwise, there's not going to be a solution. The city's already designated by, by the way, 180 emergency centers, 14 humanitarian emergency response and relief centers. The most recent announced less than a week ago include the Crown Plaza JFK Airport 
and a center at 47 Hall Street in Clinton Hill. WABC News Time 539. Some more summertime violence, unfortunately, yesterday. 15-year-old critical condition after being shot in the back yesterday afternoon. This was in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. I hear five, five shots. I wasn't sure, I'll be honest with you. It sounded to me because I was in the Army. It was like 100% gunshot. This is the first time. It's crazy. Yeah, that's a man who was nearby. He saw the victim get shot. This was 20th Avenue near 62nd Street, about 1 in the afternoon. And they're afraid, and I don't blame them. They're afraid. No, they're afraid of retaliation, things like that. Yeah, no. so far, no real details on what took place here, whether he was the target of this shooter. But unfortunately, this teenager is in critical condition at this hour. Parts of New York State going to be under air quality advisories again today, including parts of the upper Hudson Valley. Maybe you saw some of the smoke coming into the city yesterday. It made for, boy, an incredibly beautiful sunset. It was the smoke against the sun. It was really red last night, but uh, the air quality not so great. Governor Hochul says smoke from the Canadian wildfires coming from the west expected to move through the area, be in the area a couple days. Already hit Syracuse with high numbers over 140, and it's really hard to predict exactly where this air mass is going to go, but all we know is it is not good for New York at this time. The air quality index expected to be in the 151 and 200 range. And if it gets above 150 then it's unhealthy for everyone. So we have been tracking this very closely, especially since this is coming in from the West. Hochul says smoke from the wildfires could make the AQI surpass 200, which is, well, it's not good. So this is temporary. We're going to get through it as we always do, but I want to let people know that we're getting the alert out to everyone. If it goes above 200, I'm telling you right now, your cell phone is going to go off. Yes, so they have a system set up now where if it's really bad air quality, you'll get a tip. You'll get a text on your phone from the state telling you, warning you, the air quality not so great. Of course, uh, if you're somebody who has issues with breathing already or potentially so, uh, you have those N5, and you probably have them in your house from COVID, those N95 masks, uh, I guess keep them handy if you need to go outdoors. And so... I have been asking this for a while. What is going on in Quebec? And, of course, we now know how the smoke eventually gets down here. But how come these fires up in Quebec haven't been put out? And now we're hearing firsthand from some forest rangers, from from some firefighters from New York. New York has sent forest rangers and firefighters up to Quebec to help them fight these forest fires because they're having such a tough time doing so. And we heard from a group of seven who returned from Quebec yesterday. They were part of a 24-person uh, team. Uh, the fire has gone and burned through 24 million acres in Quebec already. And here are these firefighters say this fire is going to last for a while because it's just impossible to fight. There's not roads that go into the forest. Our two-week assignment was... Uh seek and destroy hotspots. Other people from Maine, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont obviously got to learn a, a lot a lot of sharing of knowledge and uh, new techniques for kind of a different ecosystem with fire that we don't usually get to see in state here. Yeah, so they say, look, part of their job is fighting firefighters, so they, saw, they find this fascinating. Of course, the fact that it's destroying the forest is terrible, but they're learning a lot as they fight this fire because they see what potentially could 
happen in New York. Their helicopters are basically their taxis into the fire. There's no other way in. There's no roads in. They let the fire go until it hits a uh, wet area. Then they use their helicopters to control it that way. So they wait till that fire hits near a pond, near a lake, so they have a water source. There's just not roads to get closer to this firefighter to bring big apparatus in. And so a lot of this is flyovers with helicopters and dropping off water, fighting the fire on the ground. And here's the news that's so bad is these firefighters say this is going to last likely until the winter, till it sort of essentially goes out on its own. They pretty much said uh, oh, winter's going to be the end of their fires, at least in the uh, section we were on. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy that this thing started uh, months ago and will go on for months. They say more until it is out. Now you know why that smoke keeps coming into our area. 544. Mayor Adams has chosen Edward Caban as his police commissioner. Commissioner Caban is truly one of New York's finest, a leader who understands the importance of both safety and justice. Caban says he's excited to lead the greatest police force in the nation. Together, we will build upon our successes and continue to drive down crime and improve the quality of life in our communities. He is the first Latino ever to head the NYPD. Takes over for Keyshawn Soul, who resigned suddenly last month. The 55-year-old has been with the NYPD for more than three decades. To all the uniformed and civilian members of the NYPD, to lead such a distinguished group of people is the honor and privilege of a lifetime. PBA releasing a statement congratulating uh, Caban, uh, saying that the it's Caban, sorry. Caban saying the strong leadership is needed to reverse the current police officer staffing crisis. I mean, he's got a lot on his plate, not only just fighting crime, but uh, the uh, a police force that feels demoralized and uh, police uh, firefighters that are rather police officers that are leaving in large numbers for other forces. So he's got a lot of work ahead of him. To all the uniformed and civilian members of the NYPD, to lead such a distinguished group of people is the honor and privilege of a lifetime. So the number of officers who quit the force has been rising steadily since 2019. According to the police pension fund, nearly doubled between 2020 and 2021. 465 officers quitting in 2020, 880 quitting in 2021. So he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Well, of course, we wish him well. 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellis. Well, thank you, Noam Alayden. Another day and another walk-off loss for the Yanks. That's two in a row. This time falling 4-3 to three to the Angels in the first of three in Anaheim. The Yanks were up 3-1 to one late in this one until Shohei Otani. Man, this guy's good. He stepped up to the plate in the seventh to tie the score with his league-leading 35th home run of the year. The Angels would take that momentum into extras where Michael Stefanik would play the hero with his game-winning single in the 10th. New York now 50 and 45 overall have dropped 7 of 9 and are 15 and 20. Since Aaron Judge got hurt on June 3rd, they're in sole possession of last place in the AL East this late in a season for the first time since 1990. Things are looking bleak in pinch drives. They'll try again against the Angels in Game 2. Of a three set for tonight at 9.38 p.m. with Domingo Herman getting the ball against L.A.'s Patrick Sandoval. As for the Mets, they took a day off yesterday but are back at it tonight at home in the opener of a three-game series against the Chicago White Sox. 
First pitch for tonight is 7.10 p.m. with Carlos Carrasco going up against Chicago's Lucas Giolito. And finally, yesterday's deadline for franchised players to agree to long-term contracts in the NFL came and went without a deal for Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Without a deal done, Barkley will have to play the 2023 season on his franchise tender worth just over $10 million or hold out on the Giants and refuse to play, according to the uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter. Barkley is not expected to report to training camp, which starts a week from today, but because he is unsigned, cannot be fined for failing to show. He'll only start to lose money if he misses any regular season games and forfeits those game checks. The player to most recently sit out an entire season was running back Le'Veon Bell in 2018, and that, no, did not work out for Bell. Here was sports. Yes. Do we know if Saquon's actually going to do that? Is he going to sit? I don't think he's going to sit. I mean, I think uh, probably by the time uh, the season rolls around, he'll be out there. I think running backs need to wake up and smell the roses uh, this day and age, Gnome, in the NFL. Running backs just, um, they don't have a shelf life uh, uh, very long. And $10 million, wouldn't that be like one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL? Well, that's the uh, that's the franchise tag. So yeah. there's a whole equation that goes into calculating that. Uh, you know, in terms of what position you play, how much money uh, the mo- the highest paid player of that position makes. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole, it's different every season. Basically, hmm. the the number uh, of which uh, a franchise tag for a running back would make. Right. So, so we shouldn't lose sleep that he's not making a lot. No, of money. it's still okay. ten million dollars. I'll, yeah, t- I'll okay. take ten million. Okay. Uh, thank <laughs> there you, you go, very much, Justin. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Continues to be the Gilgo Beach murders. The suspect, Rex Hewerman, now finding out he had over 200 guns in that dilapidated Massapequa Park home, more than double the number for which apparently he had permits. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison uh, telling us, giving us the details yesterday. Apparently he had permits for 92 firearms, which is a lot. Police on Monday could be searching seen searching a second storage facility after they looked through one on Sunday, expanding their search for physical evidence that could tie Hewerman to the three women he's charged with killing. Investigators uh, could see be carrying out just mountains of evidence from uh, his apparently cluttered home in Massapequa Park yesterday. Uh, crowds of people still coming to watch this all. Uh, interested neighbors and then outsiders who just want to see this creepy man's home. Uh, they're looking apparently yesterday, sources were, for victims' uh, trophies, as they're called, such as earrings or locks of hair from him, some of his victims. I mean, this stuff is really sick if it's all true. Um, here's some more information from the Suffolk County Police Commissioner, Rodney Harris. Some of the searches that we saw that he was doing uh, is alarming. It's very, very concerning. And uh, once again, as I, I have to make sure that everybody understands that it's a very good thing that we got this animal off the street. He's talking about the online searches. Apparently, Rex uh, Heuerman was following along as police did their investigation, looking for news of the case and wanted to know every detail. That's sort of some of what set them off. Investigators honing in after a big break in the case that came from revisiting apparently an old clue. Uh, then there was the DNA, of course, from the discarded pizza that he ate and a male hair found on the victim that tied them, they say, to these murders, a series of burner phones that he apparently used. Uh, here's the DA out there, Ray Tierney. We hope to find anything and uh, everything. That euphoria really never comes because there's always the next thing to do. There's always the next victim. 
So while we feel good about it and we're happy for the victims' families, we realize that our, our work has only just begun. The married father of two behind bars charged first-degree murder in the deaths of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, Amber Costello, also considered a prime suspect in the death of another woman, Maureen Brainerd Barnes. The victims in the case, 11 sets of remain have been discovered. So will he be tied to all of them? It's not really clear. Were there two serial killers? Nobody knows yet. Uh, Rodney Harrison, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner, talking about yesterday, and I had wondered about this, what do his two daughters, Rex Hewerman's two daughters and his wife, think about all this? Did they have any clue of what he was up to? Rodney Harrison answered that question yesterday. When we initially uh, informed them about uh, their their husband, their father, uh, they, were, they were shocked. Um, they were disgusted. Uh, they were embarrassed. Uh, so if you ask me, I... I don't believe that they knew about this double life that Mr. Harriman was, was, was living. Yeah, apparently if these murders he's accused of, if he's found guilty, it happened maybe when the family, his daughters, and his wife were away from the home. 533, uh, by the way, we're going to get a lot more information on this case, just the tip of the iceberg. Family and friends mourning the loss of a Patterson, New Jersey man who drowned in the Delaware. Jose Madera Martinez, just 19 years old, had just graduated Eastside High, studying at Fairleigh Dickinson University, majoring in computer science, had gone to the Delaware Water Gap recreational area, went into the water, went under, and was not seen again until his lifeless body was found. Family members say... Uh, he was just a great guy. A couple hours before the drowning had happened, I was on the phone with him, and I was like, oh, are you busy? He was like, yeah, I'm driving right now. And I was like, okay, I'll just call you later. I'll see you later. And then after that, hung up and then. Friends who were with Martinez that day say apparently he got tired, was not able to keep going as they swam. Is it swam or swam? Swam in the river? He loved to enjoy himself because we always talk. You got to live it up because you never know when something's going to happen. And we didn't even thought he was going to die like that. Like drawn in something like that. Having grown up on the Delaware, not this part, but the Delaware in Trenton, New Jersey, the current is incredibly strong, but people don't really necessarily know that. They think a river, well, not, they don't think of it in the same way as an ocean, but boy, the Delaware can be very intense at times. Terrible story. Uh, Martinez's remains will be taken to the Dominican Republic for burial on Saturday. Governor Murphy uh, says it's a small miracle. No one injured during those severe storms on Sunday. It led to a landslide. Streets were washed away. Basements were filled. But they were crushed this weekend by flooding landslides, homes getting damaged, roads and bridges getting damaged. Just incredible um, devastation. Stretch of Route 46 to Warren County closed due to the intense flooding, causing major damage. Of course, parts of New York impacted by that weekend weather, too. Flood water closing in on some Long Island highways as well. So it was a mess no matter where you went. Somebody asked me, was I surprised? And unfortunately, the answer is no longer given... um, the frequency and intensity of these storms. Yeah, it seems to be almost every weekend now. And finally, police are searching for the burglars who robbed more than 100 units during an organized heist at a storage facility in North Bergen, New Jersey. Matthew LaFontaine, 
he had his musical equipment in one of those uh, lockers that he thinks it was worth about $12,000. Well, now it's gone. Well, it's very upsetting. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just uh, I'm emptying out my items as we speak. What did you lose? A lot of musical equipment, uh, probably about uh, $10,000 or $12,000. My girlfriend and I are both uh, musicians, so it's uh, it's definitely our livelihood. Yeah, uh, you know, you ever watch that show Storage Wars where people bid on those unpaid lockers and they open them and it's usually junk, but apparently in this storage facility they found some interesting stuff. Here's police who said what these burglars were up to. They came in uh, with head covering. Uh, they had uh, goggles, masks, and uh, green reflective vests, and they put black masking tape over the cameras. Yes, yeah, so they were ready. They were there overnight. There's no security alarm because these storage facilities are open 24-7, so you can get to your junk. Um, and for La Fontaine, that musician we heard from, you know, just, it stinks. A lot of them are emotional items, too. My girlfriend's mom passed more than a decade ago, and the first guitar she ever gave her was and in there. since these burglars were all masked up, they say it's probably going to be hard to find them.